Hi friends, and welcome to another episode of the Oakham Church Podcast. We're in our series where we're looking at this letter to the Church of the Ephesians and asking ourselves, what can it teach us about being alive in our world here and now in 2021? What can these words from the first century teach us about living in the 21st century? And in the last uh, year, 18 months that we've just all been through, what can this letter that gives us this very foundational and structured approach, what can it give us in our today's lives? What can, it, what can it show us? What can it teach us? What can we use from this letter to build our lives on today? When the whole world is about trying to get back to how things used to be or back to normal, the question and the challenge for the church is, do we want to go back to that? Do we want to go back to doing things the way we've always done them? Do we want to go back to doing things because that's just how it's done? Or do we want to use this time and this opportunity to take our lives and take our families and take our communities and take our churches and take our world and build something better? We're in Ephesians chapter 1 again today. I'm going to read from verse 3 onwards. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same that 
mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now throughout this uh, um, very long run on sentence uh, in parts, there's these words that would come up um, depending on what versions you were reading or the version you were listening to me read on the podcast. You'll have heard things like chosen and election and predestined. And these words and the ideas behind these words and the themes behind the ideas behind these words come up again and again in Paul's writing. But even more so within just this opening chapter of Ephesians, we have this repetition, which in uh, the, the way the Bible works is whenever you see something repeated, it's like it's, it's in bold and italic and underlined and highlighted and saying, pay attention to this. And so there's a reason that these words are put here. We've seen before, Paul doesn't put anything in here that doesn't need to be. Paul doesn't just go on for the sake of it, just blathering on for no reason. Every word is thought about and dissected and linked to other words. And every phrase is hyperlinked back from um, the Hebrew Bible. And the stories that are told there shed light onto the things that Paul is trying to teach us here. But here we have election and chosen and predestined over and over again. And these words, I'm sure, as Paul wrote them, did not have the same sorts of baggage that they hold today. Um, Even from you hearing those words like election and predestination, uh, you're getting kind of Calvinistic sweats and shivers. Even with all this, these arguments between um, Calvinist and uh, Arminianism in the, in the past, all of this baggage and the, these people think this way and these people think this way and this writer said this and this writer said that. And even today on this person tweeted that or this person linked this on their Instagram page. These words when Paul originally wrote them were meant to be words of encouragement They were meant to go to these first uh, churches in these um, cities like Ephesus and Sardis and Pergamum and all the other places. They were supposed to be encouraging and strengthening and and telling them to keep on going and and remember who you are and whose you are and that your identity doesn't come from the city that you live in or even the family that you're part of or the, the social standing that you find yourself in, but that your identity is found in Christ. And over and over again, Paul uses these words and they were meant to be beautiful and they were meant to be affirming and they were meant to be life-giving. But over time, they've been used and abused to the point where even hearing election or chosen or predestined today might make us uncomfortable. And they might make us uncomfortable for two main reasons. And the first one is restriction. Over time, for whatever reason, these words of 
have got this baggage attached to them and have got this weightiness to them that makes them feel restrictive. That because of this, I can't do that. That because I'm part of this club, I can't associate with those people. The other reason that uh, this might make us uncomfortable is not just restriction, but exclusion. Restriction means that it's making you feel like you need to exclude other people. But on the flip side of that, if you're coming at it from the other angle, you might feel this exclusion. That these words sometimes might mean the exclusion of others. Because I'm chosen, you're not. Because I've been elected, you haven't. Because this is all predestined for me, it means it isn't for you. As we've already seen, Ephesians um, 3 to 14 and then 15 to the end of that chapter are two run-on sentences. And particularly the first part, 3 to 14, forces you to read and then reread and then re-re-read. And each idea and word is purposeful and thought out and opens out and flows from one thing to the other to the other. There's this run on. You can almost feel it kind of like a snowball as it, as it gains momentum. It's moving quicker and quicker and quicker and, and carrying all the other things and all the other thoughts and all the other words and themes that Paul had talked about. It carries them with them into the next thing and then into the next thing and it getting bigger and bigger and enfolding more and more. And that kind of run on and that that speeding up can sometimes feel like it's out of control, can sometimes feel scary. It's why a lot of people misunderstand Paul and and have weird understandings about about who he is and what he was trying to get at and even maybe even avoid um, some of the, the bigger, headier books like places like Romans and things like that. But actually this speeding up should be showing excitement and should be showing growth and momentum and and the fact that this is alive. This is a poem, ultimately. And the Trinity plays a major part in this blessing that gets mentioned here. You see, as he talks about these ideas of election and chosenness and predestined and that this is all part of a plan and that 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 this this is coming from somewhere else. He's linking back, he's hyperlinking back to the Hebrew Bible, back to the original covenant and the original promise of blessing from God to humanity that does just start out with one man, Abraham and his family, but then it expands out. And it is then just about the nation of Israel for the rest of the Hebrew Bible. But by the end of this poem that we get to in Ephesians, It has opened out not just for Abraham and his family, not just for the children of Israel as a nation, but now it is for all people. Paul says this started out as something that was just for, for them, just for Paul, just for the Jews. But now it has moved out. Now it has has expanded beyond those borders. This chosenness, this election, this predestination isn't just about one man or one family or one nation or one group of people. But this could be for all people. 
And this passage holds this kind of idea of the, the greatest hits, doesn't it, of the Christian vocabulary, as I've said about these ideas of, of predestination. But also then you have redemption and grace and glory and divine blessing and heaven, all these key words that will then link you to lots of other places and also hold lots of different weight between those words and phrases as well. And the challenge is to try and unknow what you think you know about these words to allow Paul and Paul's point of view and Paul's point of reference to define what it is that Paul means by these words when when Paul uses words like heaven or grace or glory or blessing Paul's not talking about what we think of when we hear those words Paul's talking about what he means when he says those words Because words don't mean anything, ultimately. People mean things by the words that they choose to use. A traditional view is that we have God on one side of the the bridge, if you can picture the the illustration, and then, then us on the other side. And because of sin, because of the fall, because of Genesis 3... There's a barrier between the two. And now now something changes. And as Paul talks about election, now all of a sudden there's a branch off from that. So you have God on one side, me or we, if we're using the uh, plural you that Paul uses here. And then branching off from that because of sin, there's a, there's a me I used to be and a me now because of election. And because of that election and because of Christ's life, death, burial, resurrection, um, there is now the you go to heaven or you go to hell. But Paul and the prophets and the teachers before him have a much wider and much richer understanding of this story. That humanity has been on this path, this path that was leading in one direction and then God steps in. That's the chosenness, that's the election, that's the predestined. God steps in in and blesses Abraham. That's where the blessing and the choosing and the re, uh, predestined and the ideas of grace comes from. It's God making the first move. God steps in and that path, that, that trajectory that humanity was taking towards destruction is siphoned off and there's a second path now through Abraham, through Israel, through the Messiah and then out into all nations. The biblical theme of election is this. God chooses one out of the many so that through the one, God can restore God's blessing back to the many. Israel was chosen. Israel was chosen as the vehicle that God chooses to enact the plan of blessing and fruitfulness that is emphasised in the problem that they they were the ones who were chosen that were supposed to solve. And in Ephesians 1, 3 to 15, we see over and over again another um, kind of phrase that gets worded slightly different depending on your versions. But we have in him and through him. This is all about Christ and this is all about blessing. The only other place in Paul's letters where he uses all this same language is in Romans, in places like chapter 9, verse 4 to 5, and um, chapters, uh, chapter 11 in verse 2 and 5. 
And they are all of these examples about the nation or the people of Israel when it's talking about blessing. But where does Paul get these ideas of blessing from? Where does Paul get this language from? Well, he's hyperlinking back to places like Deuteronomy 4 and 10 and 7 and 14. And what Paul is doing with these themes of election and predestination and chosenness and blessing, he isn't trying to get us to this point of seeing it as restrictive or exclusive. But Paul is using this as a way of showing that this is actually opening up, that this is inclusive, that this is spreading out like those ripples we saw on Sunday and including all nations within this messianic Israel of the new Exodus. Paul starts, as I said, this this section by talking about us. And when he says us, he's talking about the Hebrews. He's talking about the children of Israel, which he is part of. And then it moves out to spreading out to you. And this is the, the y'all. This is the everyone, the plural you. The one for the many. And then the many becoming the one. This is the theme of the the whole of the Ephesians letter. And we'll see again and again as we move through the podcast and through the sermons on Sunday. This is about the one for the many, the chosenness, the, the predestined, the blessed, the elect, the one for the many, and then the many becoming the one for the sake of the many. Friends, dig in. Grab Ephesians, grab a Bible, grab your phone and start reading Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2 again this week. And uh, grace and peace.